Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Jitsu Podcast. This is Vince Pakleb, your host. This is the podcast where we talk all things business and all things jujitsu. We hope you enjoy the show. We're live. Ed, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Vince. Absolutely. Uh, so a couple quick things. Number one, welcome everybody to the Biz Jitsu Podcast. This is Vince Pakleb, your host. I'm here with Ed Gemjin, the founder of JitsFit, as well as the founder of Team Op- uh, Awesome. Excited to spend some time with Ed today. He has a bunch of great projects he wanted to share with us. Uh, so with that, Ed, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it and looking forward to the conversation. Yep, can't wait. Um, so before we uh, before we start, I'd love to give you know our audience an introduction um, and learn a little bit more about you. Uh, so why don't we start with uh, your background? Um, I know that you are currently a purple belt. Both you and your wife uh, are purple belts, which is uh, an, an awesome story in itself. I'd love to hear about how you got started with uh, with the world of jiu jitsu and the world of martial arts. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I mean, I've I've always been interested in fitness um, ever since I can remember. Um, was an athlete growing up and then sh- pretty shortly into my professional career, just went into fitness full on. But, um, you know, was started off definitely as more of a fan of uh, the martial arts, you know, became interested in the UFC probably about 20 years ago. And um, about 10 years ago, really decided to like try martial arts for the first time. And Um, I only went a couple of times and then my wife was like, oh, wait a minute, like you seem to like this. Maybe I should try it. And we trained together for about three years. And then um, she's been training mostly jujitsu and I'm in a MMA academy now. So I do jujitsu, Muay Thai, a little bit of um, MMA practice as well. But it's been it's been really um, it's been really amazing being being a student and um, just having a great, you know, positive hobby, you know, better than going to the bar and, you know, knocking back shots. So <laughs> I, I completely agree. So when you got started with, uh, with martial arts, so it was out of, out of curiosity, what was that origin story when you first stepped on the mat? Yeah. So, I mean, the very first time was probably like 15, 16 years ago. And, uh, I think the mistake I made at the time was like, I, I was one of those guys that was like, I want to try UFC. <laughs> Oh, that's so, um, so you know i showed up i showed up at this place called fight house in manhattan i don't think they're around anymore um and literally just got you know thrown to the wolves and i was already in the fitness industry so you know you walk into a place like that you're kind of fit you know you go through the warm-ups and everything and it looks like you know what you're doing before you know it you know you're sparring somebody that's been a martial artist their whole life um so i did not have the best experience um and only lasted about a month maybe just taking some basic you know, jujitsu and uh, kickboxing classes. And then when we moved out to California, there just happened to be a place called PKG. They're fantastic. If you're in the LA area, um, that was around the corner from our apartment. And so I just went to check it out, got a couple of private sessions, uh, because I didn't want to have the same sort of like rough introduction and just wanted to learn a little bit first. Um, and it was really through that first professor, uh, Jeremy Umphreys, who has an academy in New Orleans now, he um, took us through some private lessons. You know, my wife joined in and we started kind of training together. And then he recommended, hey, you know, now that you know some of the basics and the concepts, taking class would be really beneficial for you both because you'll get to 
train with some people at a similar skill level to yours and, and kind of develop that way. So, I mean, it was just a matter of convenience at first because it was around the corner, but honestly, it was a, a fantastic experience. We both got our blue belts there, um, and now she's gotten her purple belt there as well. That's awesome. So you started out in, in Gi? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I probably for the first six or seven years, primarily in the Gi. Wow. And then, now, were you yeah. doing privates all the way up until your blue belt? or? Uh mostly probably till i was like a two or three stripe white belt got it and then it. and then really the it's funny actually I, I i credit jeremy with sort of the insight to be like hey you know at this point i think you should just go to class more like if you have more time to to uh devote go to class train with some people that are you know your own skill level your own size and that's actually he felt that 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 was going to help us both develop faster um and then, you know, he was like, if you have some questions, things like that, we'll do a one-off where before in the beginning, it was like a one to two time a week kind of regular thing. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoy doing privates, mm-hmm. um, but the, the kind of formation that you're referring to, take some privates, take a bunch of classes, come back with some questions, do more privates. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. Any, any opportunity that I have a chance to get some privates um, in and I like to do privates with you know, couple, couple people, um, for sure. Again, su- super helpful to, to get some additional looks. That's awesome. Um, so currently you're working on a couple different projects. I'd love to learn a little bit more about, uh, the JITS fit app and then, you know, hear a little bit more about team. Awesome. It sounds like team Awesome's the, the newest project of the bunch. So we'll yeah. save that kind of for the back half. Uh, talk to us about, um, JITS fit. I know you and I had talked through, uh, how it got started. I'd love for you to be able to share mm-hmm. a little bit about the, uh, the overall origin story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for anybody that's been in, in martial arts for more than a couple of years, uh, you know, the, the pandemic, especially, you know, here in Southern California, was kind of a dead stop um, to, to any of that activity at the, at the martial arts academies. So um, a teammate of mine who we were both blue belts at the time um, approached me and said, hey, you know, you've, you've got some knowledge about fitness and I'd helped out some people at the academy um, just, you know, in the spare time and answered their questions. And um, he said, look, I'd love to, you know, create an app with you that's more focused on what people doing jujitsu and other martial arts could do on their own to sort of stay in shape for jujitsu when, you know, the pandemic passes, um, but also just in general for, you know, staying healthy and staying injury free, et cetera. So, um, you know, we bootstrapped it. We did, we did the whole thing. I mean, recorded probably 400 exercises and, you know, got it up and running in less than three months and, um, you know, got some good local traction right away. And, And by local traction, I mean like people who knew us from our academy and neighboring academies and through, um, you know, local like IBJJF and, um, jujitsu world league tournaments and things like that you know, everything was shut down. It wasn't happening at the time. So I think, you know, a lot of people got, got some help there. Um, and it's, you know, it's still going on. I I think, you know, understandably, once people were able to get back to the Academy, that was the thing they wanted to prioritize myself included. But, um, certainly now the focus of that app is, Hey, what can you be doing in addition to your training, uh, martial arts, to help you a get better, improve your movement quality, improve your you know your strength, your functional uh, movement as it relates to whatever martial arts you do, but also like how to stay healthy long term. I think 
um, and you know, you've been training for such a long time. I'd love to hear your input on this. I, I find that as I've gotten a little bit better, you become more efficient at something like jujitsu. So even when you spar, you're not necessarily exerting the same type of energy that you would when, you know, you're first learning. And so what happens is a lot of, like, I've noticed a lot of upper belts, like either they gain weight or like their, um, you know, other aspects of their fitness tend to wane because they're not exerting themselves quite as much as they become more efficient. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. There's a certain, um, degree of efficiency that definitely helps. Um, and, uh, sometimes those efficiencies from a, um, from a body functionality standpoint does create some over compensation in certain areas. You know, I, I was talking about this on a previous podcast about, you know, a couple of years ago, I hurt my shoulder mm-hmm. after I came back, I was pretty miserable working through that process. What it did is it forced me to use other parts of my game and kind of develop my game around my shoulder injury, uh, mm-hmm. my shoulder injury. Um, that I, I think that applies to a lot of different areas, right? It could apply to fitness and apply to sure. uh, just things like mobility, right? And mm-hmm. those are all critical parts of uh, of an overall good health and fitness routine, um, as well as a good jujitsu game as well, right? I think being able to, yeah. you know, make sure that we're doing everything we can to monitor nutrition and monitor movement and monitor, you know, recovery from uh, from injuries is, is just as critical. So, uh, yeah, no, I completely, completely agree with you on that. So you mentioned big background in fitness industry. I know that, um, you know, overall, I think it's been, you know, approaching 20 years now. You've been yeah. a, a trainer. You've worked as an educator. You've been in fitness management. You've had, you know, your own uh, personal training business. I'd love to kind of just dive a little bit back into that. You had mentioned you yeah. played sports, um, always been into fitness. What did you, uh, what sports did you play growing up? And and tell us a little bit about just how that, how that translated into getting into your career in fitness. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I grew up in Eastern Europe in Bulgaria. So uh, all the way up until I was nine years old. And there, sports are a little different than in America, where sports are actually separate from school. Um, so there's no such thing as like a school soccer team or a school basketball team. It's all done actually through the local professional soccer teams. And they'll have like a swim team, a soccer, you know, kids soccer or whatever. Um, so I never really got into sports until I moved to the U.S. when, mm. you know, there was a lot more of that sort of like recreational um, type of sports availability. And I, you know... Honestly, I remember being like, wow, I can't believe that this is available to me. I was so excited as a kid. Wow. And, you know, you you hear people talk about, you know, especially young boys having a really hard time with like the type of focus it takes to be in a classroom and just sit. And, you know, there's a lot of like physical exertion that needs to kind of uh, energy that needs to be let out. And so I took to soccer right away, probably by 10, 11 years old. I was really into basketball. Um, and all just like, t- it was just super fun for me. Um, when I went to high school, I actually um, started getting into music and, and playing in, in bands and I, I was a drummer. So um, I didn't think I was going to play any kind of organized sports. And then um, through a total like randomness, my gym teacher was a um, the uh, high school cross country coach. And she just saw some talent there and was like, hey, you really should try this. I think you'd be really good at it. So I became a distance runner um, all through high school and actually ended up doing it in college for a couple of years as well. And um, 
I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. I think it's the only reason that I ended up even going to college. Um, it, it definitely wasn't on my radar. It wasn't something I was super excited about doing. I didn't know what direction I wanted to go in, you know, outside of high school. And um, had it not been for those couple of years of just going because I was excited to be on the cross country and track teams, I think, um, you know, maybe I wouldn't have gone at all. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did because it, it kind of, I, I think college helps anybody learn to at least um, think, le- learn to, um, to, to, to become interested in information and learn it and absorb it and, and use it. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's very fascinating. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of carry over there too. I would imagine, you know, long distance running and just being able to endure and that self-talk and, um, you know, just the ability to be able to push through. I'm sure there's a lot that translates to other things, right? Not just your jujitsu game, but also, mm-hmm. you know, the businesses and things that you've put together. Um, so walk me through that. I mean, you're, uh, when you came here to the U.S., um, mm-hmm. you mentioned you were in Manhattan when you started jiu-jitsu. Did you land or, or were you in the New York area or or how did that yeah. come about? So I grew up in, yeah, I grew up in the tri-state area, mostly New Jersey okay. as a kid. Um, we're about and then Jersey. after... Uh, Northern New Jersey, Bergen County. Um, Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, so literally like a 20 minute bus ride into Manhattan. Um, and as soon as I kind of was an adult and had a choice of where to live, I moved immediately to Manhattan and lived there for about eight years. It's where I met my wife and, um, we moved to California about 10 years ago. And that's really when I truly discovered martial arts. Um, and, you know, being in the fitness industry, it actually changed my outlook on what fitness was really about. I think before that, um, you know, I, I wanted to lift weights. I wanted to learn how to build muscle. I, you know, I had a lot of clients that were very, like, aesthetically motivated, which there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with, right? Um, but I found that there wasn't, like, there, there was less of a fulfillment on my end of, like, you know, helping somebody gain a couple pounds of muscle and look a little prettier on the beach is nice. Um, but helping somebody get over like metabolic disease or helping somebody be able to like, you know, run after their grandchildren again and be able to like do everyday activities without, you know, any kind of strain. That's really for me, the, the stuff that keeps me in the fitness industry and keeps me happy, you know, um, going to work and working with people every day. And it's kind of the same in jujitsu, um, where what I found after a little while of having the, the fitness app was that the majority of people who were using it weren't the competitors. They weren't the already super fit people. It was mostly the guys that, you know, had full-time jobs, they had families, they had kids, and they were just trying to find something that kept them healthy and kept them fit. Yeah, for sure. I think the um, the digital play um, is exactly that, right? Is people that are looking for supplemental resources, right? Because efficiency and just trying to get as much done in the least amount of time is a, yeah. it was a big part of living in 2023, right? Is people have a lot of projects, a lot of hobbies, a lot of different things, and just being able to have a resource that they can lean on right away is, is super important. Um, so LA, or I'm sorry, Manhattan to Los Angeles. Did you always mm-hmm. stay a, a long distance runner? during that time frame were you doing doing events <laughs> it's funny you say that absolutely not um i uh the one sort of negative aspect and i've i've talked to a, a good deal of people who got to like that like semi elite level of any kind of sport 
is that the love that you have for it that gets you there in the first place, once you're at that level, it's it's really difficult to maintain the love for it with the amount of you know time and energy and sacrifice that ends up going into it. So for me, I mean, the only time I run nowadays is like to warm up around the mats, to be completely honest with you. Um, I <laughs> do all rolls. kinds of – Shoulder rolls and yeah. a little jog. I, I, uh, yeah, I do all kinds of other exercise. Uh, I mean, really, like all kinds of other exercise, kettlebells, uh, weight training, rowing, um, cycling, uh, just I, – I think just the overuse of like – I probably ran enough miles from age 14 to age 21 to cover an entire lifetime. So uh, I try to keep it as, um, uh, you know, as variable as possible for myself. <laughs> Understood. Understood. So now talk about your transition into the, into the fitness industry. So you moved mm-hmm. from uh, New York, were you in, when you were in Manhattan, were you already in the fitness industry? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, what got me into the fitness industry. I had dabbled with it a little bit when I was in New Jersey um, I was in hospitality for, for a short while, a couple of years after college. But um, when, once I started kind of getting my head around, you know, what quality training looked like and how it felt to really help people, I was given kind of a, I was presented with a choice where I could go into Manhattan and work for a major fitness company um, that focused on everyday people, kind of, you know, again, looking to be healthy looking for it as like an alternative to, you know, the, the bad things that happen with aging. And then I also had an opportunity to work at a sports performance place that focused on um, like high school athletes trying to get division one scholarships. And I'm glad I made the choice I did. You know, I, I went into the city, I started working with everyday people. And I think for me, that was the right choice. I have some friends still that are in more of that like performance um, community of fitness coaches. Um, and you know, I think it's a, it's a choice that everybody kind of comes to. And, um, I I really, I really love the feeling I get, you know, from when people come to me and talk about the things they're able to do and how much better they feel and how it, it really proper, you know, positive fitness outcomes influence the whole, every other aspect of their life. Yeah, that's great. So you start working with more of a kind of general population, Mm-hmm. Um, community there in Los An- or in, in Manhattan, you move to Los Angeles, stay in the fitness yep. industry. Are you still with the same company? Yeah. So sort of. Um, yeah. So I'm still part-time working for Equinox Fitness. Those of you who live in, you know, major cities, I'm sure are familiar with it. And um, I, I, I definitely have, I've been with them on and off for, you know, 15 years and, and love working at, you know, they have fantastic facilities, um, really helped me continue my education throughout the years. And, um, they're, they're really a great place to work. Um, but then in addition to that, I've, you know, started working my, my own businesses as well. For sure. No, I think you should. That's awesome. Yeah. I think the the great part about working and, 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 you know, I've, I come from the big box, um, kind of corporate fitness world. One of the Mm -hmm. things that's super fascinating about that is, you know, the, the great companies, uh, do a really good job with pouring resources into, uh, into team members and, you know, anytime you have an opportunity to capitalize on that, I think that's fantastic. So that's uh, that's great that you kind of keep a pipeline um, and a pulse to um, to the fitness community there in in Los Angeles. So, yeah, walk us through um, you know your uh, JitsFit app. So JitsFit uh, started mm-hmm. in COVID. It was really designed to uh, to be able 
to provide some kind of supplemental resources. Again, you said you recorded 400 videos. Walk us through that. What could a consumer that is looking for an app like this, what could they, what could they expect? Of course. Yeah. So where, where we've gotten to, right? So that's kind of where we started right now. We're at over, over 800 unique exercises. And what I mean by unique are like ones that we personally recorded that are more functional for the martial arts. But in addition to that, the app has probably 4,000 exercises of like your more standard things, you know, your bench presses, your deadlifts, those types of um, exercises. In addition to that, it also has a nutrition tracker. And for um, clients that uh, decide to do more customized programming, so like they would work with me on a coaching uh, basis, um, I'm also able to prescribe them with macronutrient counts, um, you know, how many calories to eat each day. They can track all of that. And that's all through the same app. Um, it, re- it sends them reminders. It actually intuitively adds calories when they track workouts. Um, so it's, it's a pretty cool, um, you know, all in one type of app. It connects to Apple health. So, you know, for anybody that uses an Apple watch, um, et cetera, that it also tracks everything through that as well, like steps and and those types of things. So, um, I, I find that the people that get the best use of it are the people that do a little bit of customization, you know, whether it be just the one off one on one coaching session with me. Um, or if they choose to do kind of like the monthly coaching where we continue to prescribe new programs and progress them throughout. That's awesome. So uh, walk me through that. So your backgrounds in fitness, uh, again, you said Mm -hmm. you spent a little bit of time in hospitality. Um, You're a martial artist, and you get approached about this idea to create an app. Uh, So I'm sure there's a lot of just challenges and learning curve and and yes, <laughs> a lot of stuff, right? You couple that with, hey, all of this happened during the pandemic. So walk us through some of the challenges that you've gone through. What are some of the sure. biggest challenges that you've you've been up against? Great question. I mean, you know, I, I I know I know that a lot of people who weren't in the fitness industry at the time maybe don't know this or don't realize this. I know that some clients that I talked to today, like you know, recently had no idea how hard the fitness industry got hit. I mean, I would mm-hmm. say other than like hospitality restaurants, the fitness was right there and just as hard hit, if not in some cases worse. So here we are, both my wife and I are in the fitness industry and the any kind of indoor facility was completely shut down in Southern California for the better part of a year. Um, there was a brief reopening period with, you know, um, with masks and, and all that. And then they actually closed the facilities again. Um, and it wasn't really until like March of 2021 until we were able to open up again with, with quite a few restrictions. So in that meantime, you know, a, we're trying to figure out how we're going to replace all this lost income for our, our personal selves, you know, as a family. Um, and also just trying to like figure out the landscape of like, what is fitness going to look like moving forward? So it couldn't have come at a better time. And, you know, shout out to, to my buddy, Dave Salguero, who's the one that brought the idea to me. Um, he was definitely um, more of the technology and, and sort of marketing side of it. So the three of us really like, we got down to, okay, what do we want this to look like? What are the most important things we want people to have available to them? And we started shopping uh, white label developers. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with, with what that means, but basically it's 
developers that have already created sort of a, a skeletal, you know, system of what a fitness app looks like. And then on top of that, you as the end, you know, provider get to put in what kind of exercises you get to do the unique programming, all of those things, but all within the parameters of what the app is able to do. Um, so just to give you an idea, as far just even time, forget about financing. Um, we were, that's why we were able to launch it in three months versus what would have taken nine months to a year to do if we got someone, a developer to build it from scratch. Wow. So, so very challenging uh, to figure all that stuff out, um, you know, kind of on the go and also like thinking about, Hey, like we're hoping that this starts to bring in an income pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure there's a lot of, lot of urgency about that. I mean, you know, my, um, I'm in the fitness industry. Um, as well, uh, when COVID happened, my wife uh, and I, uh, you know, impacted pretty significantly. You had mentioned about, yeah. you know, industries that were hit. My wife has a hair business. At the time, she was working for a salon, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that you know pushed us to have her just kind of rethink her, you know, her strategy. And we decided to yeah. open up a hair business for her. Um, I started a recruiting company as a result of that, also just mm-hmm. because of okay, hey, we need to have some other, yeah supplemental income sources here, you know, in the event something like this happens again, or e- even just to be able to have a little more control, uh, because yeah, that For was sure. very eye-opening, very eye-opening experience. Um, so, I mean, you're call it three and a half years in at this point, mm-hmm. things, um, you know, taken off, you guys built a pretty strong following, uh, overall clients are coming in, people are utilizing the, uh, the service. H- how do you, yeah. you know, how did that start? Right. So you're, a fitness guy, the three of you guys put this idea together, you start going to work, three months later you have an app. How did you go about getting your first couple clients? Like where did that yeah, how did that whole process start? Yeah, awesome question. I, I mean I and I would pin it on two things. Um first and foremost, you know, and I, I know that's kind of what your podcast is about, right? But you know, I, I think that was the first time that I really saw the power of the martial arts community. And just how um, how loyal and supportive your teammates can be, no matter what you're doing. So I'll give you an example, right? The Jits Fit Team Awesome logo was designed by a brown belt friend of mine that I trained with for years. Um, like I mentioned, the marketing and you know the initial help with the launch was my friend David, who again is someone that I've trained jujitsu with uh, for a long time. We've become very good friends since, even though he's no longer uh, a part of the business. Um, so, you know, just getting it off the ground and even our professor at the time, um, at Meraki Jiu-Jitsu was very supportive. He allowed us to use his facility to film some of the exercises, um, which was extremely helpful, obviously, you know, trying to get something on a, a, on a budget, but also in a rush. Um, so, so that was a big part of it. And then once we launched, we actually had our first beta team was all people we knew through jujitsu where we were like, Mm. Hey, use it, give us feedback, let us know what you think. And I got to tell you, you know, we started with a, with a a cohort of about 50 and almost all of them, once we officially launched, ended up purchasing memberships, not necessarily because they were going to use them all the time, but just as a support, you know? And I see that all the time, you know, like you mentioned, 
you know, you've had um, guests on that were, you know, artists and, you know, um, apparel um, people. And I find that all of that stuff, it's like, if I have a choice to buy a hoodie from my friend Reggie, who has a company, I'll shout him out, AET, he's, he's fantastic. I'd rather the buy the hoodie. Cards and stuff? They are, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that looks. Uh, I was looking at your um, uh, your merch earlier. Looks uh, looks legit. I like it. Yeah, he's a he's a brilliant designer, and and to me, it's like if I have the choice to get a hoodie from him or to go to any random store, I'm going to get it from him, right? Um, another you know great friend of ours, Frankie. If you're in the L.A. area, uh, Curacao Coffee. Uh, it's a, actually a Curacao restaurant. It's a fine Italian restaurant. He does all their coffee. His coffee brand is Liquid Element. If I can get my coffee from him, I get it from him every single time. And, and not just right. me, like everybody in the in the local community supports each other in that way. And so that was a huge help starting out to help answer your question. The other thing was the fitness community in general. And I do think that there's some carryover there as well. Um, and what's kind of, you know, like you said, three and a half years later, what I believe the app has morphed into is when I look at our users, about 50% are in the martial arts. And then the other 50% are either people that I've worked with one-on-one or friends of people that I've worked with one-on-one in the past um, that are not associated with martial arts, but we're just looking for, you know, different, more unique type uh, exercise programs that are a little different from like your random, like Apple plus fitness or, you know, fitness apps of that nature. So a little bit more of a kind of a unique perspective on on fitness so you know the social media following definitely was helpful um i wouldn't say that we get like strangers that follow me on social media suddenly becoming clients but certainly when people do see us post about you know different habits and different things um they uh they tend to look at the app and, and at least try it out and in a lot of cases become members yeah, I mean, it's all top of the funnel, right? It's, you know, as you're building your audience and there's going to be people that are just going to consume it from the sidelines just with the content you put out through social media, yeah. then that's going to be the next step is, hey, I want to go through a free trial and, hey, I want to try it at this basic level. Exactly. And, hey, I want to upgrade and, oh, man, I had my one-on-one. Uh, now I'm going to tell a friend, right? So, uh, yeah. you know, I think that's that's super fascinating how, you know, the level of adversity that you faced you know, you put your brains together with uh, with you and the team, and you get this concept off the ground, um, and just start. That's uh, that's awesome. Now, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it was scary at first. <laughs> oh, I bet, I bet. Yeah, I mean, it's scary yeah. for all of us, right? Particularly here in Southern mm-hmm. California. Um, you know, I think the that pandemic um, affected different markets in certain ways, right? Some people were, you know, forced to be a lot more resilient and just display some more fortitude and kind of work through things a little bit yeah. differently. When some people just, hey, it was a five week lockdown and they just everybody went about their business. Got right back to business, yeah. Yeah. Southern California was not that way. California as a whole was not that way. Southern California definitely was not. Uh some counties had a lot more flexibility than others, but Los Angeles where mm-hmm. you're at, I mean that was Yeah. I mean it was on lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was a tough one. Um, so cool. So now you're you're um, you got a couple projects going. So mm-hmm. Jits Fit, there's people that can subscribe. You also have some merch. You have um, a supplement line. You're working on. Uh, it, no, it's called Team Awesome. Is that right? 
Correct. Yeah. So it was the name of my first business. Um, I couldn't believe that I actually got it <laughs> registered. Um, it's just such a common, you know, sort of combination. But um, yeah, so it's it's been incorporated for a long time. We actually did a second incorporation called Team Awesome Digital. And that's nice. what the app uh, business is under. But um, it started out as kind of a fitness consulting thing back when I was in New York. Um, just random projects that didn't necessarily have to do with personal training, but were fitness related. And mm-hmm. then um, when um, this this year came around, you know, kind of just gathering data uh, from, you know, the fitness users on the app, I think part of the benefit of a lot of the members coming from the martial arts community, um, people were a lot more communicative and, you know, gave a lot clearer feedback, even when they didn't necessarily stick with our program. Um, so even people who like just did the trial, as long as I would ask like, Hey, what's your feedback? Like, what did you like? What didn't you like? You know, what are you doing instead? That kind of thing. Um, a lot of the feedback that we were getting was, um, I I don't have I don't have the time. Like I'm, my struggle isn't exercise. My struggle is how do I find the time to do the exercise? How do I eat better without spending extra time, you know, like grocery shopping and cooking and and all of those other things. And then even if I am doing those two things, like I still, I'm still tired all the time. I'm still stressed all the time. Like all of those questions kept popping up. And obviously when you have an app that's mostly hands off on my end, and people just are kind of like finding workouts and and doing nutrition tracking. A lot of those questions don't get answered. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that was the motivation for like, okay, I think we need to find something that bridges the gap because in in my private personal training business, when I work with people one on one, I tell them right from the beginning, I think that fitness, nutrition, and recovery, which in that I put you know regeneration, stress management, all of those things. I truly believe that those are equally important. Like no fitness program can outperform a lack of sleep or very high stress levels or crappy nutrition. Mm-hmm. And so when you're working with me one-on-one, all of those things get covered. And the coaching piece I think is the most valuable piece and why, you know, I'm fortunate enough to to command the kind of prices that people pay for, for my one-on-one service. Now, how do I, how do I present that to people that a aren't in Los Angeles, right? Um, and B maybe don't have quite the budget that, you know, my one-on-one services cost. Um, so, so that was really the, the question that I wanted to answer and, and really started working on it in, in January of this year. That's awesome. So, so how does that, how does someone participate? So like, um, if I wanted to, um, contact you about, you know, some of these services, like walk me through, what does that client journey look like? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we do a little bit of advertising and then we, we definitely have shifted our social media messaging to be more toward, um, pushing forward this, this new course for busy adults. It's it's called efficient health and fitness for the busy adult. And, um, the link is in our social media, um, and also, you know, if you see one of our ads, you can definitely just click and see the link. Um, we have a landing page with a video that kind of explains the process and, you know, uh, what the right, you know, the right kind of candidate for it is. 
generally speaking, I mean, if you've got things other than fitness on your mind, if you've got a family, if you've got a demanding job, you know, you've got other things going on in your life that you have to take care of. Um, that's the, that's the kind of person that this program is ideal for. But honestly, what we were finding is it was the same thing at the jujitsu Academy, right? You have, you know, you have your people that are able to be there all the time and, you know, train, you know, exclusively and put in the five, six, seven hours a week. Um, but for the most part, a lot of people were like, man, like I can barely make it to the Academy a couple days a week. What can I be doing supplementally to, to really help me out? Um, and so, yeah, so they can click through that. And the, the first step of the process is they can book uh, a free coaching call with me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, at the moment, it's, it's a brand new program. So I'm, I literally take all of the initial calls. Um, so you would meet with me. It's about a 30 to 45 minute initial call. Quick questionnaire that you fill out before you meet with me. So I have an idea of you know, who I'm meeting and what kind of things we, we should discuss. And at the end of, by the end of that call, you have a pretty good idea of what's necessary to help get you there. So like broad strokes of like, it sounds like you, for example, might need to focus more on like stress management and nutrition, whereas somebody else might need workouts that they can do at home without any equipment, you know, uh, and, and everything mm -hmm, in between. Mm -hmm. And so from there, we have our, our, main program, which is um, access to our 12-week course. Each week gives you habits, like small bite-sized habits for exercise, nutrition, and recovery. Things that you can incorporate very easily with little to no extra time uh, commitment. So, you know, just to give you a, a basic example, like one thing in nutrition that over the years has it is unbelievably effective for how simple it is, is putting your fork down in between bites of food. That sounds mm. ridiculous, right? But a lot of us tend to eat nowadays while we're doing something else. Mm -hmm. You know, we're either like running around after the kids or we're at supposed to be at lunch at work, but we're actually working through our lunch break. We might be in a meeting. We might be in the car on the way to, you know, something else. And so what happens is we're, we're just scarfing food down and we're actually not breaking the food down enough for us to be able to effectively digest it. What does that do? It causes all kinds of gastric distress, gas, um, bloating, and you're not really absorbing the nutrients in your food. That's before we, we even talk about food quality or any of that stuff. First thing we've got to make sure is that the food we eat gets absorbed, right? So putting your fork down in between bites allows you to chew the food that's in your mouth, swallow it, slow things down a little bit, then pick it back up. And I mean, that sounds completely like nonsensical. Like, what are you talking about? That, that can't help. And sure enough, you know, anyone that I've assigned that small habit to finds that they immediately have less bloating. They start you know, enjoying their food a little bit more. It also slows down uh, how quickly they take in the food. So their satiety signals, uh, there's a hormone called ghrelin that actually tells you that you're full. It actually kicks in on time. Whereas if you're just scarfing food down, you get a lot of food down before the food gets down your esophagus and starts to signal back to you, to your brain that you're full. Sorry, I know that was a pretty deep dive into no, a very simple habit, but... That's kind no, of what we do. Th that's awesome. So 
I'm a consumer. I do a one-on-one consultation with you. I go into a 12-week program. Everything on the 12-week program is done via app. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a login. You could do it on your phone or, or you know, any kind of uh, device. And um, we, uh, we drip it a little bit. So, like, you have access to the first four weeks as soon as you sign up. Then a couple of weeks later, you have the next four weeks, et cetera. And the only reason we do that is we don't want people to, you know, there's a lot, including myself, of, you know, sort of type A personalities that want to consume it all at once you know, because we're just so excited to get it all done. But the whole point of it is that you don't overwhelm yourself and that you take it one step at a time and then you end up building these habits on top of each other. Um, but yeah, you, you have access to it, all of the videos. So like, for example, the, you know, the exercise video in the first week, all of the videos are under eight minutes. Most of them are under five minutes long. So wow. very, very easy, digestible information. That's awesome. Now, uh, you know, as, as that thing's been coming off, uh, coming off the ground, um, mm-hmm. who's the, you know, what's the plan to get to your target market? That's a great question. Um, so there's kind of a twofold thing. And, you know, with advertising, we're still figuring out what the right sort of mix is. Um, one thing that's brought a little bit of initial success is uh, LinkedIn, believe it or not. Um and I hadn't had any experience using any of their marketing, um, but uh, started doing some some general advertising on LinkedIn. And it's one of the few platforms left where you can target people by industry, by job title, by things that are a little bit more specific. Um, whereas with social media, you, you kind of have to start hacking interests and kind of like what they're searching for and the interests that they're looking at. So that becomes a little bit more of a, you know, um, trial and error. Whereas sure. with LinkedIn, I, I found that like pretty quickly we were able to to target the right people. And now it's more about just adjusting the messaging and seeing what kind of messaging works best. Um, you know, just to give you an idea, like we probably recorded, you know, 12 different um welcome videos on, on our landing page. And some of them are myself, some of them are my wife, some of them are both of us. Um, and we're just still kind of AB testing and seeing, you know, what gets, what gets the most uh, reception. That's awesome. Uh, LinkedIn is a gold mine, man. It is. It's a little pricier, uh, as far as like ad dollars, but, um, it, it works really well. Yeah. It's gold mine. Yeah, the uh, we could connect offline, but um, there are some tools that are that interface really well with with LinkedIn, oh, um, awesome. and some automation. Yeah, some automation tools that uh, that I use for um, for my recruiting company. Uh, Fantastic, and it is fascinating. It is fascinating mm-hmm. how much information is available out there, and you know what's unique about LinkedIn is people want to put all their professional accomplishments. And, um, you know, you'll be able to tell a lot, you know, just by, um, the information that they put out there. Right. And, and that's the whole purpose of it is for people to network with one another professionally, but for someone that is doing business to consumer in this case, like, like yourself, um, mm-hmm. or even business to business, obviously as well, um, yeah. there's tons of information because LinkedIn is really just a big, this big, massive search engine. The challenge is, is most people, from a business standpoint, don't know how to use it as a search engine. 
Um, there is a search function up on top, but there's some other ways, Google X-Ray and LinkedIn Sales Navigator and different mm -hmm. um, tools that are available that allow you to be able to get access to your fingertips of you know professionals in certain markets. And yeah, it's just a super, super fascinating, um, super fascinating uh, platform that is very useful, right? Yeah. It's useful for discovery, uh, but it's also useful to be discovered. Right, so there's kind of mm -hmm. it's kind of you know the both worlds that that need to be uh, critical in the world of business. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad to see that that that's uh, that's working out for you. That's great. You brought that up actually. Um, so my previous experience with LinkedIn was um, well, the majority of it. I mean, I've been on LinkedIn probably for you know twelve plus years, but um, in 2022, I started working for a startup in the um, EMS community. Um, Electro muscle stimulation. I don't know how familiar mm -hmm. you are, but I'm um, familiar. Oh, yeah. I did recruiting for a, for an EMS company. Oh, very cool, very cool. So, yeah. so yeah. So part of part of my job was it was kind of twofold. It was strategy and operations. So, um, the operations obviously was part of it. A big part of it was growing the team uh, nationwide, and so recruiting kind of fell between me and you know our one hr person obviously you know when you when you've got a startup going on mm -hmm. so i would say nine out of ten people we hired were found through linkedin and 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 not oh, yeah. even through like advertising the position but just posting people that i was already connected to kind of knowing somebody that might be interested and we very quickly i mean from march to june of last year we went from being in los angeles and orange county to being in eight major cities across the U.S., all yeah. through just recruiting through LinkedIn. Yeah, for sure. And, and, I mean, I'll tell you, um, you know, Dan LaSavage, who's the founder of uh, of Combat Corner, mm, uh, yeah. he was one of the, the initial guests on on the podcast. His how I ended up speaking with him is through LinkedIn, one of his sales associates uh, or account managers, I should say, uh, for one of the companies within the Combat Corner portfolio, uh, we ended up connecting on LinkedIn. And that turned into a conversation where I ended up purchasing some goods from them. And that turned into, hey, I want to introduce you to uh, to Dan and get you onto the podcast. So yeah, I mean, just that, that relationship has been great. Um, Andrea Tang, who is a journalist for Jiu-Jitsu Times. She was uh, an earlier guest mm -hmm. on the episode. We connected initially on LinkedIn as well. So, yeah, I think it's a, it, you know, it's a fascinating tool because, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, from just a networking standpoint, from doing business standpoint, mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's tons of tons of opportunities, a lot of hidden gems that are out there. The, the challenge is, is um, it doesn't feel as cool and as sexy as, you know, a cool Instagram reel. Yeah. Um, or a sponsored post on uh, on on Instagram, mm -hmm. but uh, there are some tactics there that are available to everybody, and the resources and yeah. information is available to everybody. Just uh, you got to know how to be able to use it. So that's uh, that's really cool that you're you know you had some history and carryover and crossover to uh, to that. For sure, um, man. That's uh, I'm super excited to you know watch that grow. I mean, you know, as you continue to grow and develop, um, mm -hmm. you know, the what is it, efficient fitness and health for busy yeah. adults, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, as that, as that platform continues to build, um, you know, keep us updated, let us know what we can do to kind of get behind it. You know, I think there's a lot of people that are out there that are just, like you said, Hey, you're, uh, some people do jujitsu as a hobby, right? That's, that's me. Yeah. And I'm extremely passionate about it. I love it. 
and it's a super fun hobby and a necessary life mm-hmm. skill in my opinion. Um, and I don't see myself doing anything other than that. Right. But being able to manage my health and my sanity and my mental well-being and my nutrition and, you know, supplemental workouts and all those things, you know, organizing that and prioritizing yeah. that is a, is a big need. Right. So there's that world, right. So someone like myself, but also to just the people that are not doing jujitsu that are just normal everyday people, yeah. whether you're executives or, you know, parents or business owners or whatever it is that you have going on, just being able to say, Hey, I just need a pathway to start the mm-hmm. process. And if I could start the process and I could see results and I could just duplicate that process. So yeah, I think that's uh, what you're doing is very clever, man. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The, the sort of initial, and like I said, it just launched um, in the beginning of October. So it's very, very early stages. Um, sure. But so far the clientele that's come through there have been um, people who have had some kind of personal training before mm-hmm. who are either trying to find a more cost-effective way to stay in touch with, you know, habits have some kind of program to follow, have somebody to hold them accountable, but not necessarily be paying the 150 plus dollars per hour that, you know, per personal hour, yeah. training in major cities is costing. Um, and so that's kind of been the, the initial thing. I think, I, I think you have to have some sort of, I shouldn't say you have to have, but it definitely helps to have had some sort of previous coaching experience. Um, because, I think those people appreciate how much, um, how helpful it was while they had it, right? I, I always hear about people, like even people that have done like 12 sessions with the trainer, they're like, man, I was so motivated. I loved having somebody keep me accountable. I just couldn't afford it. Or I didn't have time to keep driving back and forth to the gym, right? Whatever it was that kind of like kept them from continuing, they want that same feeling, but on their terms, or, or, or something that's a little more possible for them to do long-term. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when you take a look at, you know, training situation, right? So $150 an hour, you know, two, three times a week. So that adds up. Yeah. And, you know, you take a two hour session, it's going to take me, you know, 30 minutes to get to the gym and change. Mm-hmm. I want to spend a little bit of time warming up after the session. I got to, I got to cool down. I got to shower, get ready, go back to what I'm doing. I mean, it could turn 100%. into a two and a half hour, three hour event, three, mm-hmm. four hours a week. You know, you couple that with, uh, with the cost. Um, now again, some people can move a lot faster and, and be a lot more efficient and all those things. But I mean, the reality of you spending two hours to get to and from the gym and spend time with a personal trainer and then deal with the homework that you got to do mm-hmm. after. I mean, it's a, it could be a lot. It's very rewarding and very beneficial, right? I, I'm a believer yeah. in, in training and, and whenever you have an opportunity to have somebody coach you, I, I love being coached, right? So I, I love mm-hmm. that. But yeah, there is a void there, right? Because not everybody has either the financial resources or the time resources to be able to carve out into, uh, into all that. So that's a, that's clever, man. Good for you. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and, and I'll second what you're saying. I'm, I'm a big believer um, for, for anybody, no matter what industry you're in to have, uh, I think the humility and also just the foresight to know that like, it's always helpful to hire a professional to help you, whether it be for short periods of time or, you know, on a continuing basis, I think it's so important. I, 
you know, I talked about how, you know, I, I got my start in martial arts and I knew that starting with a professional helping me one-on-one was going to be the way for me to continue and, and really be comfortable with it. But I still do one-on-ones. Um, I, I took on Muay Thai in the last couple of years and I've really enjoyed adding that to my martial arts repertoire. And I definitely do privates with that. Um, and I try to bring a lot of questions to it. I hire a personal trainer at least once a year for anywhere from like two to three months at a time. Um, and again, I, I try to find people that don't necessarily look at things the way that I do, right? It's not, I, I don't hire somebody that's just going to like spot me while I do my thing that I've always <laughs> done. I actually specifically look for someone that's going to take me out of my comfort zone that I'm going to learn something from. And, um, I find that that's, that's been really rewarding for me, both like for my own health and wellness, but also as continuing education for, for my craft. Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think the, any opportunity to spend time uh, with a professional to ask questions and, and get coaching, uh, not only does it, um, you know, help with, um, you know, as you continue to develop and, and learn and grow, uh, but also to just, you know, I've always found creatively that if I have someone coaching me and giving me different perspective and I have a chance to be able to apply it, whether it's in a martial art or whether it's, you know, some uh, resistance training um, or some sort of, of programming uh, related to that. Again, it just gets the wheels turning and keeps, Mm -hmm. keeps things fresh. I think there's so much value in uh, in all that. It's awesome. Yeah. And in martial arts, you're absolutely right. Um, I, uh, I find that I find a ton of value in, you know, hiring a black belt, you know, professor that has a lot of experience. Uh, I know I mentioned to you earlier, I, you know, I like to compete a couple of times a year. It's been less so since, since I had a child, of course, you know, time commitment and things, but, um, but one of the main reasons that I like it is I then, I then bring that tape to, you know, someone who knows a lot more about jujitsu than I do. And I have them sort of break down and and give me things to work on based on my performance against a complete stranger. Um, But the other piece of it too is, I mean, there's like other purple belts, purple and brown belts at my academy that I love to be like post-training, be like, hey, like during our rounds, such and such happened. What do you think happened there? Like, what do you think I could have done differently? How could that have gone? Um, And I get just as much out of that and you know people who are not necessarily professionals at you know teaching it but just have the um they were there in it with me right yeah for sure the debrief the debrief <laughs> and reflection is is so critical man that's awesome yeah that is great um hey so we're approaching the top of the hour i do have a couple questions mm-hmm. just about you ed of course ed as a as a person if that's a, if that's cool um, 100 so what does your typical daily routine look like? You got a lot of projects. How do you manage all of that? Plus, you know, your husband, your dad, um, you got to have your own personal fitness. Yeah. Um, you want to continue to learn and grow. You got, you know, two major projects, right? One that's, uh, you know, off the ground mm-hmm. and, and kind of in, in this climbing mode. Another one that's just, you know, coming off the ground. I mean, you got a lot, lot going on. So tell me about your yeah. daily routine. You know, I, I'm going to start off with like kind of the 20,000 foot view. And I think the number one thing that I try to focus on is um, I try to limit distractions, 
I think all of us have a lot more time than we think we do because we get sucked into distractions. And I say limit because none of us are perfect and I'm certainly not. And, and, you know, I get caught up scrolling, you know, just the same as, you know, most people do, but I actively try to be aware of that stuff and I try to limit it. And when I limit those distractions, I find very quickly that my time and availability opens up and then I could be, um, more efficient and more mindful of how I spend that time. So to break that down a little bit more is I try to be very regimented. I get up at 5 a.m. First of all, because I've, I've always kind of been an early morning person, but more importantly, because I that's the time that I have like quiet time before my responsibilities with my son who, who gets up around 7, 7.30. Um, I don't have any, you know, my wife is up and at it fairly early as well. So I, I don't usually have to do anything, you know, for her at that early hour. And I do find that, you know, my creative juices kind of flow pretty well at that early morning hour. So um, I make my breakfast first thing in the morning. I am, I'm not an intermittent faster or anything like that. Hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I think it's appropriate for some people in their lifestyles. It just, I, I've tried it and what works for me is five to six meals a day and, you know, um, whole foods as often as possible and, and just kind of being, being mindful with that stuff and really being regimented with, with nutrition just as much as anything else. So I get a good deal of work done pretty early. Um, I'll have a virtual client or two sometimes in the morning. Um, then I spend a couple of hours with my son before, um, either I take him to, to my mother's or, uh, to preschool. And I find that that's actually a really nice sort of intermission, um, that allows me to stop stressing or thinking about, you know, the stresses of, of the day. And to your point in, in any given day, I might have, you know, couple of in-person sessions, a couple of virtual sessions. I have to find time to work on things. I have to get on with my developer who's in Amsterdam. So those hours are really funky as far as like scheduling. Wow. Um, but I think, you know, cutting in between, you know, and getting some of that like family time um, is, is crucial. And then the second piece of it is I try to also make some time at the end of the day for that as well. Um, so that I can be present. First of all, you know, obviously I, I want to be present in my, my family's lives. Um, and then that middle part of the day when they're not around, my, my wife is at work, my son is being well cared for. That's when I try to do like the meat of everything that I have to get done. And so between the hours of like 10 and five is probably when I get 80% of the, the business stuff done. I'll occasionally have a later session than that you know, a couple of days a week. But for the most part, I try to keep those those later hours available um, for family time, friends. Um, I, I do put a lot of value into, you know, friendships and relationships, even if it's, you know, a text or a quick phone call. Um, I do think that's really important for, you know, managing daily stress and, and kind of feeling like you're connected to the rest of the world, not just the, right. your work life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, having an identity outside of uh, yeah. outside of your work is uh, is helpful for sure. Absolutely, and and look, I I recognize that one of the ways that I'm truly blessed is that 
I do something for a living that is also my favorite hobby, that is also contributing to my healthy lifestyle. Like I believe me, that does not slide past me. Like I, I understand that that's not everybody's situation. Um, and so I, I, I have a lot of gratitude for the fact that like, Hey, like every day I spend a few hours at a gym. So if I want to get a workout in, it's not that difficult for me. Like, you know, you mentioned earlier, the example of the typical client, you got to drive there, you got to change, you got to do all those things. Um, all of that stuff gets cut down. So the other piece of it is, you know, and I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, the four agreements. I mean, I'm a big fan of all self-help, you know, type of literature, uh, but the four agreements tends to find its way back into my life over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. But a big thing with that is like, you know, don't take anything personally and don't make any assumptions. And so for me, it's like if I'm if I've got a really busy day at the fitness facility, I'm not going to harp on the fact that I really want to do some jujitsu today. I'm instead going to be grateful for the fact that I'm in a fitness facility and can get a workout in. Right. And I think that's such a crucial piece. And I try to try to incorporate this into my coaching with my clients all the time where it's like, Hey, like I get to do things today rather than I have to do things today, or I'm being forced to do this instead of that. We can all get into that game, but all it's going to do is just cause us more stress. Um, I'd rather spend my time, you know, being positive and finding solutions rather than, you know, accelerating problems. Yeah. Agreed. Now, you know, you kind of touched on, um, you know, your uh, passion for, or your appreciation, I should say, for uh, self-help, personal development, right? You reference yeah. four agreements. Um, if you can reference one or two books that you could look back on and say, hey, these were books that were game changers for the way mm -hmm. I approach life or approach business, um, what would be on that short list of books? Absolutely. You know, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, I would say that it, it does change from time to time for sure. Um, and I think I skate back and forth between like the more business oriented books and then the more uh, life and spirituality oriented books. But mm -hmm. I would say from a spirituality standpoint right now, Four Agreements is probably number one for me. Um, from a efficiency at work and like getting things done in a way that allows you to live the rest of your life, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I've probably gone back through... 20 times in the last 15 sure. years. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just, I, I treat it as a Bible as far as like managing my business and managing my time in a way that's going to be uh, effective and efficient and not make me feel like I, I live at work. Right. That's awesome. um, so that's, that's definitely a big one. Um, and then how to win friends and influence people. I think that's a, a very good guide as far as like, I think communication is so crucial. Um, in, in today's day and age, I, I think a lot of people in, in all industries, but I mean, in America, let's face it, most of us are in service industries, right? Um, even, I mean, I have, I have friends that are in construction management and that's a relationship business far more than it is a, you know, technical construction um, knowledge and, and um, type of business. And learning how to communicate I think most importantly, learning what's important to the people you're speaking to. Um, and I think seven habits goes into that as well. It's like, learn how to mm -hmm. listen first, yep. like learn how to understand yep. people before you try to get yourself understood. 
Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's a uh, so I do journaling every morning. Awesome. One of the things I was one of the things I was journaling about this morning because I'm I'm dealing with uh, some challenges around miscommunication, mm-hmm. and you know I'm trying to uh, I guess be the mediator of uh, of a situation that was caused by some very simple miscommunication, mm-hmm. and yeah, I agree with you. Mandatory life skill, man. It uh, it helps when when you can clearly communicate and uh, you know have some have some good, yeah. very effective dialogue. So yeah, that's great. So um, just to finish up, you know, you no, gave please. me you, you kind of popped into my head, but um, two books like specifically for like organizational type of help, both both personally and professionally. One that I'm in the middle of reading right now is called The First Minute. And it's Mm. all about mostly written, but also verbal communication and how to make it as clear as possible. Um, And then uh, the ideal team player. Oh yeah, that's that's one from a from a professional perspective. Anytime I've had to build a team in the fitness industry, I've followed the ideal team player's way of identifying skill sets in people. And that way, being able to decide whether or not they're a good fit on the team that I'm trying to build. Um, yeah, for sure. What's the name of that author? Um, Patrick Lencioni. Yeah, Patrick Lencioni, right? It's hum- uh, Hungry, Humble, Smart, right? Is, Correct. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, that's a, that, that book is a game changer as well, right? Because that applies to, especially in business, right? It's, yeah. it's you know, as we're building teams and sometimes we get confused or it could be confusing when you think of building a team because you're you know if you're a solopreneur or a small business owner like okay mm-hmm. hey, i may or may not have a lot of employees but those same rules apply with vendors and those oh, yeah. apply to just you know people that we're going to lean on for contract work right and yeah. all the areas of you know i call it kind of your general roster of of people Right. You may be a solopreneur, mm-hmm. but you may have a roster of nine or 10 support people from your CPA to your attorney to your bookkeeper to mm-hmm. you know your marketing person and being able to have um, give your time and attention to people that are the ideal team player that have those attributes as well is just as important as someone that you're yeah. going to be paying a payroll to. Right. So, yeah, it's a that's great. One hundred percent. Yeah. Cool, man. Super excited about, uh, you know, about this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple other just kind of uh, just general questions. Yeah. Um, if you were to give some advice to a new entrepreneur mm-hmm. that is looking to get a, you know, an idea out of their head and apply that to, you know, the world and want to just start, what would be some advice you'd give to somebody? That's a great question. Um, you know, one that I heard pretty early on that I've I've kind of stuck to myself is to flush it out as much as possible and be consistent in putting your own work and then getting feedback and then putting more of your own work and then getting feedback. So I, I guess that's a two-part thing, right? First and foremost, dedicate some consistency to it. Right, and and that's a lesson for for fitness, health, really anything that you want to do. Uh, consistency, I think, is number one over any other skill set. Um, the second piece is seeking feedback and accepting that feedback. And the trick to that is you've got to find people that you trust. 
um, mm-hmm. to give you the feedback in the first place. So finding you know some people that you trust and and expressing what you're working on and getting feedback. And again, back to the four agreements, not taking any of it personally, but really taking it as exactly what it is, which is hopefully an attempt by that person to help you improve what you're working on. Um, the rest of it is 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 really, you know, case by case, you know, as far as like, I mean, I, we could probably talk for an hour of whether you want to go like self-funded or look for investors, just, just that one issue alone is a very loaded one and it's very case dependent. But I think as long as you're open to feedback and you continue to to work and rework what you're doing, um, I think you're on the right path. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, those two things, that's consistency. I mean, there's so much value in consistency and, you know, whatever it is you're doing, right? If you look at just jujitsu as a whole, yeah, you know, my uh, I have done jujitsu on and off more often on. And I'd get into these, you know, little blitzes of time where I'm all in on jujitsu and then I fade mm-hmm. away. Yeah. And I all in and I fade away. But where my biggest results have been over the past, you know, couple of years has just been, man, as long as I'm showing up two, three times a week, I'm continually yep. learning, I'm trying new things, um, you know, I'm having fun. And, you know, while I'm making efforts to be able to develop, you know, specific skills as I'm showing up each day. Uh, that in itself has been a game changer, right? It's, that was uh, seeing mm-hmm. it come to life in jujitsu was really an eye opener for me uh, in a lot of areas, right? Of uh, of my life, yeah. like, man, this carryover of man, just consistent result, consistent input, you know, continue to seek feedback, right? I, I love that. Um, the be the ability to be able to, um, you know, reflect and say, okay, hey, this went really well, so I got to keep doing this. This did not go so well, so I got to figure out what went wrong and mm-hmm. not do that again, right? So yeah, I think yeah. that uh, applies both to business and jiu-jitsu, man. That's awesome. Um, cool, man. Well, listen, as we wrap up, before we wrap up, um, what's next for you, man? What else? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what are the next steps with both of the projects that you're working on? Um, you know, what, what do what could we expect as we're kind of following uh, following Ed's journey? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the rest of the rest of this year is going to be about you know, some trial and error, learning some lessons as far as, you know, the new course is concerned. The goal is to, you know, truly launch it in January when people are, you know, actively seeking um, those sort of like fitness resolutions. But, um, you know, that's what I'm really excited about now, you know, on a, on a personal development side, I'm, I'm really like, I'm really starting to lean into this dad thing, man. I, you know, um, I, I, I went through the first sort of like year and a half, almost two years where, you know, you're kind of the assistant, um, helping mom out as much as possible, but just understanding that, you know, that's, that's where, you know, that's where the most of the attention is going to go. Um, but it's, it's really become, you know, a personal joy and I want to make sure that I'm there for as much of it as possible. So, you know, and whether you have kids or, or another thing that you really love in your life, man, like I think professionally, if you can have a focus on being as good as possible in your profession, but also in a way that allows for you to like grow in other ways, that's my big goal. Like my big personal goal is to continue growing personally while I grow professionally. That's awesome. And as a dad myself, I could, I could speak to it. I mean, cherish, be present, Mm -hmm. have fun. Um, 
I mean, it's, uh, you know, my kids are a bit older. My son's 22. Yeah. My daughter's 21. Amazing. And, you know, I look back and, you know, I, I've done the best I can to be present, uh, but also look back and say, man, there's, I dropped the ball there on a couple of times. And, of course. And you learn as you go. Uh, but, you know, I, I would always encourage and just take the time that uh, that time is precious. I mean, you'll blink your eyes and start to realize like, man, these life events start to happen pretty quickly. And next thing you know, they're kind of off adults and, and the parents <laughs> role transitions to now I, I'm still their parent, right? I'm still, I'm, I'm obviously their, their, their dad, but yeah, that's evolved into more of a consultant type role. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, cool, man. Well, listen, um, for those that are listening, um, Ed has a lot of great projects. Ed, how do we find out more about you? Where do we find yeah. more information? Yeah, so you can find me on social media um, at uh, Instagram. It's at Jitsfit underscore. Uh, same at TikTok and uh, the Facebook. You can just find me by my name, Ed Gemjin. But, um, you know, same thing on LinkedIn as well. I know we talk quite a bit about LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always updating. Uh, for You know, for those of you who aren't necessarily looking to like buy anything, I, I think the social media channel has like a good deal of really good, um, helpful content. You know, I, I, I'm definitely not the type of person that keeps everything behind a paywall. So, um, you know, by all means, like reach out, DM me. I'm, I'm happy to reply to anybody that reaches out. So that's awesome. Well, listen to Ed. I appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you reaching out for those that are in the LA area and want to train with Ed uh, or get some FaceTime with Ed. I don't want to volunteer his schedule, but I would <laughs> encourage you to reach out to him. Um, and uh, again, excited for uh, the continued growth of uh, Jits Fit and all the other projects that uh, that you're working on. Team Awesome sounds awesome. So um, much appreciated. Absolutely. So as we wrap up, again, I want to thank everybody for their time. This is the Biz Jitsu podcast where we talk all things business, all things jiu-jitsu. Uh, we got Ed Gemjin with uh, JitsFit, and uh, we appreciate uh, his time. And thanks so much for joining. And uh, other than that, we'll be out. See you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>